Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, wer mit Kartoffelbrei keinen Soßen dambaut, ist innerlich doch schön tot. I'm Nick Houghton of 40%German.com and I'm joined as ever by my co-host Simon Smash Maddox. <laughs> hey, Smashing Maddox, how are you doing? What's going on? Yeah, I'm okay. I've got I've managed to mess up my neck, but aside from that, so I'm not very mobile. Oh, no. Um, normally, I just like glance from monitor to monitor whilst we're doing this, but now I'm like having to rotate in my chair uh, like a really crap Bond villain. What did you do? I had the audacity of buying myself a new pillow, and this has completely rocked uh, my neck uh, in its sleeping order. Uh, so the first night I slept with it, I woke up feeling a bit stiff. But all was well, and then last night I woke up in the middle of the night in like full agony, and I spent the whole day just feeling sorry for myself and tired after not sleeping well. So it's back to the old pillow <laughs> tonight until I recover. I think was it like a Euro pillow you bought, or was it? Like no, a- no, I didn't. I'm not a madman. I, after all the shit I've chatted about how bad an eighty by eighty is. No, we went to IKEA, uh, the wife and I. Mm-hmm. Our plan. To go when we went to IKEA was to get uh, <laughs> they sell like uh, puppet beds uh, in the children's section and they're like the right size for cats and so my wife has been talking for ages about getting like two beds so the cats can sleep <laughs> next to our bed and I kind of wanted some new bedding and then yeah we ended up like filling a trolley and dropping like a few hundred euros on a load of stuff that is all quality of life improvement things but yeah, it was a bit of a, a bit of a mad dash around IKEA. But yeah, we'll do that. Fuck it, why not? But the interesting thing about the pillows is um, because yeah, as I say we have slandered the eighty by eighty, and on the bedding sets from IKEA, all of their pillow sizes eighty by eighty. So you can fit two of our eighty by forty pillows into one of them if you so mm-hmm. choose. Mm-hmm. But then if you go to the pillow section and buy what we think of in Britain as a normal pillow, 80 mm-hmm. by 40, in the description of the size, it calls that normal, not the <laughs> 80 by 80. So there's some sort of some sort of conspiracy going down in the, in, the, in the halls of Ikea as to what is normal and what is not. And I think we need to get to the bottom of this pronto. Is it normal by the standards of the Swedes, obviously Ikea, Ikea being a Swedish company, or is it normal by the standard of germans or i don't know like is do, do swedish people have giant pillows or small pillows i i feel like this might be the uh, the answer here to why normal is considered that standard size well i'm, I'm gonna blow your mind here now because swedish linens uh <laughs> <laughs> oh my god we've opened pandora's box what so the uk standard right and the dutch what? There are two Dutch standards here, and there are two German st- What is going on? I do you know what it is? The thing that I don't understand is we've lived here cumulatively for two decades, and we still haven't worked out pillows. I feel like, <laughs> like I'm a German citizen. Like you think at some point would have worked it out. But like I bought a pillow two weeks ago. Isn't, isn't the right fucking pillow. Don't know how I've managed to do that. Like, I just don't understand. I don't understand how I can't just buy a pillow. Like, nothing I do, like, even when I research it, I still end up with the wrong thing. I feel like, I feel like I need a hand in my passport. Or maybe I just need no passport. <laughs> maybe I don't deserve to be British either. I have no idea, honestly. There are five different sizes of the Swedish company. The Swedish standard is apparently 50 by 60 centimeters. 
Christ. A UK Dutch standard is 50 by 75. Yeah. The second Dutch standard is 60 by 70. And then the German standard, we have 40 by 80, which is what I bought, which is mm. what IKEA called normal. So not Swedish standard. And then you have the 80 by 80. Isn't that more like a sofa cushion? No, that's a normal, what we think of as a normal pillow when you go to IKEA. My God. 40 by 80. Like, I feel like this sort of sums up the British experience pretty well of just the ineptitude <laughs> between... <laughs> like, you get a pillow, it ruins your neck. I bought a pillow because I need to stop snoring. Like, my wife has this thing about me, like, how many pillows that are an acceptable amount to have in a bed. And um, my problem is all the pillows are so narrow that I eventually find myself, like, my neck is, like, bent over the pillow. So I'm, okay. like, my head's, like, sitting backwards... And and then I just start snoring, and I wake up, and it feels like it feels like I've been doing like a, a Scarface impression and piling my face into a load of cocaine. Like my nostrils are all like ruined. Like I can feel it. I feel like I've got a cold or something. And so I bought a pillow under the assumption that that would fix it. That hasn't fixed it. My wife's making fun of me because my pillow is too big. Like I'm just. <laughs> I, f- I feel like like just a failure, <laughs> failure, <laughs> total failure. Yeah, I'm with you on this. And the neck pain thing is the worst. Yeah, um, it sucks. When you just can't turn your head. It's just made me fucking grumpy. Like, I've <laughs> been grumpy all day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. My default position is already relatively grumpy, but now I've got a reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I think we've got an even better bloody reason, um, given the the news. Like, we, we recorded the podcast last week under the impression that Liz Truss would resign and she resigned the day before we released the bloody podcast. Yeah, it was good timing, wasn't it? I felt like phoning and going, hang on, eh? Come on, you could have given (laughs) us a little bit of time. Which you'd think was good news, but of course it just means that we've got another Prime Minister that's been appointed by the Tory party in uh, Rishi Sunak. So good news, it's the first Prime Minister of Indian heritage, first Hindu or practising Hindu in British history. So that's quite nice. Uh, bad news, it's still a Tory. Well, I mean, as, as well as being a Hindu, technically he's the first pagan <laughs> prime minister in over a thousand years. <laughs> Is that how it works? Is that how it works? Um, in the eyes of the C of E, I think, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's good. It's a good thing. But at the same time, like... I've just been having like running battles on social media where I've been complaining about the fact that only 0.0055% of the population actually elected him. And then there's people stroking their chins going, well, you know, that's the system. And I'm like, but that's that's a shit system. (laughs) We should have a better system than this. But um, no matter, this is where we are. And uh, we've got a new cabinet full of complete and utter headbangers. So that's nice. Just quickly to come back to how he ended up here as well, because, of course, he just recently lost the race to become leader. Liz Truss beat him. Mm. And so now the person that lost, that nobody actually wanted, Mm. is now the prime minister. It is weird. How much confidence can you have in a man who got beaten by Liz Truss, given that she uh, resigned after 45 days or whatever it was? I feel that's not instilling confidence in, in the country as a whole, I'm sure. In the hours before we recorded, there have been, as I say, some cabinet announcements and the majority of them are hugely disheartening. Mm. There's nothing I've seen so far that's made me think, okay, he's heading in a sensible direction. Yeah. So yeah, well, I mean, we've got Grant Shapps, oh, uh, who is going to be uh, the business secretary. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who aren't 
<laughs> heavily involved in his uh, biography, Grashap's made millions by selling fake get-rich-quick schemes on the internet under a fake name. We had like six or seven fake names. Yeah, yeah, multiple <laughs> fake names and like fake online personalities to do his his dealings. Mm. And this man is now in charge of the business portfolio of the UK. It's pretty terrible. It's a, it's a wild choice. Maybe he's going to sell some get-rich-quick schemes to grow the economy. Suella Breverman's back as well. Suella Breverman, who uh, was uh, resigned, I think, at the start of last week because she... Six days ago at the time of recording. Yeah, six days. Not <laughs> even being sacked for a week. She was sacked. That's right. She was sacked for having sent a confidential document via a private email, which doesn't yeah. suggest she's really capable of being one of the highest offices. Well, she sent it to two people as well. One was a man that she knew and the other was a woman who she thought was his wife, but wasn't. <laughs> so she didn't even really know who she was sending this non-complete, non-verified information to. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Even in these times. But uh, she's more famous, I think, for standing at the dispatch box and complaining about tofu eating, Guardian reading, Wokanistas or something, yeah. who were bringing down the uh, government or causing trouble in britain it's like that's a pretty bold move there was a joke going around when she resigned that tofu had finally won uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> it's nice that we can like we have jokes around her at the moment but the fact is the braverman is the closest thing we have to a fascist in the government full stop and she's being given a position in cabinet and one that allows her to potentially fulfill her dream as she called it of deporting people to rwanda yeah was it? it was like she had a dream of planes taking off deporting refugees yeah. and i was like that's that's really she's really listened to martin luther king's i have a dream speech <laughs> and just got all the wrong bits i mean the, the one silver lining since she said that is that the airline that had been uh, contracted to do that have now ripped up their their side of the contract mm -hmm. they will no longer provide that service for the british government so at the moment they don't have an airline that will do it on uh, this side of the north sea at least back in germany the president of Germany, um, Walter Steinmeier, is actually visiting Ukraine right now. So that's quite a good thing. It's, uh, it seems to be after all the trauma of last last year or the beginning of the year, certainly when when uh, Ukraine was basically saying he's not welcome in the country. That seems to have been slightly settled and he's he's gone on this visit and uh, meeting people. Apparently he was in an air raid shelter. There was, he arrived in one part of um, of, of the country and, uh, and was immediately ushered into an air raid shelter to meet various different people, lots of people who'd suffered under, under the Russian occupation. So uh, there's some bridge building to be done there for sure. But it's nice, I don't know, it's as nice to read about sane politicians saying sane things and doing sane things. It certainly makes me feel a little bit more comfortable given the, the situation there's a lot of a political insanity going on at the moment i mean yeah it's all very fast-paced all over the world at the moment and of course we've had an interesting one today where joe biden congratulated rishi sunak on becoming the prime minister uh, and obviously it's moved so fast that he didn't actually know rishi's name so he congratulated rashid sanuk uh, <laughs> on becoming the new prime minister of the oh, uk Jesus. and then took a good awkward few seconds to like highlight the fact that he's brown and that he's now leading not only the uk 
uh, but also the Conservative Party. And he's like, who'd have thought it? Uh, <laughs> there's a brown fella doing it. Oh, dear um, me. So it was, it was nice that he showered us out <laughs> as a nation, but it was, it was awkward. Uh, it's definitely worth uh, Googling Biden Rashid Sanuk <laughs> to get that that little clip. I just did it and I was like, oh, just shaking my head. I think we just give up on politics. Let's all become <laughs> little communes. I think Bavaria just declares independence. We'll be fine. I'm sure that'll fix all our problems. I'm positive. You want Emperor Soda? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think anyone wants that. Jesus. I, I read a Build article today where they were talking about him being the Prince of Bavaria. And I was like, oh, God. And he's mad like Ludwig II, that's for sure. Apparently the most popular politician in Germany right now is Minister President Markus Söder of, of uh, Bayern, uh, which says says a lot, really, about the current state of affairs. Um Oh, there must be something positive we can talk about at this point. There is. Yeah, let's talk about viral videos. How about that? Yeah. There was a beautiful viral uh, video doing the rounds. It was Annette Didard, who yeah. is the... Is Deutsche Welle she works for, or is it... RD. RD. Uh, she's the station chief for RD in London. Mm. And if you don't follow her on Twitter, it's, it's, she's a very, very good follow. Her Twitter game is strong, and she also shows a really interesting side to what it's like to be a journalist at that level mm -hmm. and actually have like a work-life balance or trying to be not just engulfed by your profession yeah she's great really really good follow there and yeah she got featured on many many comedy shows including uh, the very famous have i got news for you where the clip that went viral was her quoting uh, the chief whip who resigned in, in a peak of rage um, saying something along the lines of, I fucking give up, I don't give a fuck, I've had enough. And Annette delivered it in English, refused to translate it into German, yeah. but delivered it with just this beautiful, like, plummy English, like, politician accent um, mixed with her German. And, yeah, the whole world was just like, <laughs> look, the Germans are enjoying themselves. <laughs> this is good. It's that love of swearing that you have in Germany, but also the desire to get the quote exactly right. There's something, mm -hmm. there's something quite beautiful. And it's the fact that it's mid-German sentence that she drops it in. And it's just like that thing I love about German, where you hear German people speaking very fluently, and then they just drop an English word in for, uh, in this case, an English quote from another politician. But yeah, it was it was deserved to go viral. It was fantastic. Go search that yeah. out if you haven't seen it already. Yeah. So, um, well, what's next on our list of things to talk about? Well, we've got a fan email to discuss. Oi. Of course, a wonderful fan email from a certain Jeff who emailed us about episode ninety six replica rabbits. Was what was it? It was right royal replica rabbit honestly the, our name of conventions like we behind the curtain there listener we have a discussion usually around saturday morning when i'm about to post the podcast and, and i simply ask what are we calling this episode and, and what i generally get back is a stream of alliteration some of the weirdest it's like beautiful it's a beautiful one of my favorite conversations of the week and uh, what i would enjoy is maybe at one point we can we can collect all the names we didn't choose and put them into a list. But um, yeah, so Jeff emailed us about uh, episode 96 and he had some uh, some notes for us. Uh, one of those notes was that he's found finally found a German football team and he'd been looking for one and he loved Kaiserslautern. Um, he liked the logo and he started watching them and then they got promoted. So he bought a hat, of course, a red hat, 
to mark the occasion of their promotion. It's got a white logo. And his wife roundly declared that it was too close to a Trump MAGA hat and he wasn't allowed to wear it. And currently he's now supporting... Um, 1860. Yeah. Is it 1860? Sorry, what's it? Yeah. Aktien Zechtig. Aktien Zechtig München. Yeah, Aktien Zechtig München. So slightly different colour scheme there. It's blue and white for them, isn't it? It's, it's a lovely Bavarian blue and white. Uh, and the logo is also strong. It's a, it's a beautiful rampant lion. Uh, but of course, the, the Kaiserslautern one, we've talked about it before because the logo is 1FCK. And so for anyone who speaks English to their first language, all you see is fuck when you see that logo. Um, so yeah, his instincts to, to fall in love with Kaiserslautern's logo is Makes sense. highly understandable. Uh, uh, and yeah, it's unfortunate that he's, his wife pointed out the association. Well, not association, the similarity uh, to a MAGA hat. Because uh, yeah, we don't need that no, to, be, definitely, definitely don't need to that. be mistaken for MAGA hat wearers here in Germany. Jeff's second point was a, a bit of an admonishment for you there, Simon. You'd mentioned, I think, that... Yeah, he told me off a little bit, yeah. You, you've been feeding the cat, <laughs> your cat whiskers because you couldn't mm. find an alternative to... or a better alternative to the brand that is no longer available in your supermarket. And uh, <laughs> direct quote, please don't feed your cat's whiskers. It's like feeding your kids Cheetos, which I felt was a bit of an insult because I like Cheetos. <laughs> yeah. So I like fat, happy cats as well, but I have taken this on board and I have reflected on it and I've thought about it every time I've fed them <laughs> their whiskers this week. Uh, and I am going to Fresnap tomorrow uh, to investigate what my options are and find something that's a, a healthier alternative. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for your mild admonishment, Jeff. Uh, I will keep the people updated on what my cats are eating next he said he was happy to fi financially contribute to the podcast in order to fund you i'm going to send him a bill like <laughs> <laughs> i have your email jeff <laughs> count for an invoice hey that's not bad i mean no one wants to give us money but they might give your cats money so i mean that's <laughs> definitely an option um they're far cuter than we are <laughs> and the last thing he had to mention was the fact that he also like myself was having problems finding tortilla chips and he said in Munich, there's been a loss of tortilla chips over the summer, especially the Al Natura brand uh, and other Biomarkts. And I was like, well, you're shopping in Biomarkt. How glorious it must be. That's why he's offering me money for cat food. He's, <laughs> he's, exactly. he's rich. <laughs> he's rich. He's, he's, he's off buying the finest products in the Biomarkt. It just doesn't make you wonder. I haven't been to a Biomarkt. I think I went once, got the bill at the end and was like, nope, I only bought three things. <laughs> 75 euros. I've bought a, um, a new brand of tortilla nacho chips or they were like nacho cheese flavored like I, I hate throwing away food those things went straight in the bin they were foul oh, that bad it was so bad like I'm just I feel like again like the pillows I'm like how have I been here for 10 years and I still can't get this right there must be something I'm doing wrong probably more than one thing well this week I was surprised to see Aldi are selling Chio tortillas oh right I'm not a huge fan of tortillas but my wife does like the Chio ones so they do a nice wild garlic one that's very, very interesting. I know, there should be a go-to sort of page with like, these shops are selling these things that are like the things that you like. Um, <laughs> go buy them now. That's, that's maybe my next project. Yeah, I'm still trapped in a, in a horrible prison of, of crappy snack food. Well, I've got one final thing. I've just added it. I didn't give you any warning on this. There was something else connected to food that I did this week, which was interesting. I actually went foraging in the Frankische Schweiz uh, for mushrooms. Oh, right, yeah, you were away at the weekend. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so a, a colleague and friend of my wife's, uh, he lives out that way in the beautiful Frankish Schweiz. And yeah, he is a bit of a mushroom dude. I wouldn't call uh, Is that expert. the technical term? Yeah. He's <laughs> a that's mushroom what he calls dude. Mushroom dudes. Yeah. <laughs> he's a mushroom dude. He's got a book and he, he's got some experience. He's not died yet. Uh, so we, we trusted ourselves uh, into him and his wife and their experience. And yeah, we, we got a pretty decent haul left with about a kilo of, of wild mushrooms. And yeah, I made a, made a pasta with them. It was mm. all very nice. Do you want to hear my one and only mushroom foraging story? Go on then. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the one you might expect. So uh, this is many, many years ago. Mid, must have been sort of 98, 99. And I must have been about 15, maybe 14, 15, something like that. And uh, my brother and I were left on our own in um, our father's house. He went away on honeymoon. He just got married and it was me and my brother left alone in, in his house in Wolverhampton. He lived in a housing estate. And my brother said to me um, that he was pretty sure that he'd seen uh, a patch of magic mushrooms uh, growing mm -hmm. on the housing estate. And since I was the youngest and still am the youngest, he sent me out to find them. And I collected seven jam jars of magic, of magic mushrooms. The fact was, I was very surprised that they just grow randomly in the wild. Mm -hmm. But there you go. Um, so, I mean, I'm hoping your mushrooms are a little less psychedelic than the ones I collected. Yeah, no one was tripping balls. Uh, <laughs> oh, you've got no, no death caps either. No, no. <laughs> But yeah, it was, there was a weird phase in the UK with legislation about mushrooms. Yeah. Like when in my first and second year of uni, like they were legal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, there was like a, a milkshake shop in Cardiff where you can go and get like a, whatever flavor milkshake and get like ten grams of like seven different types of magic mushrooms mm -hmm. were always available. Uh, and then suddenly it was outlawed. I know. It's like people are having fun with mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Get that through Parliament. Um, yeah. Weird time. I know, yeah. <laughs> very weird. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the main thing I have learned is you need to be very careful. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. All I could think of when you were f talking about foraging for mushrooms was like, I mean, I don't think I'm brave enough to sort of do that, I, especially from like a book or something. I'd be terrified of giving myself some kind of horrendous poisoning or something like that. Oh, these mushrooms look pretty. And I put them in a bolognese and... <laughs> lose, lose, lose all feeling in my legs or something. I must have found like seven of the same one, and even on the seventh one, I was still like, uh, "Can you come here and check? <laughs> this is right." I, I still don't trust my eyes at all. <laughs> did they actually look um, like mushrooms that you buy in the shop, or did they look sort of different? I mean, yeah, they, they definitely look different. Um, the main one we had—I I forget the name of it in German or in English—but it's Rodfuss something, mm. and on the underside is like a proper like spongy element. Like really, it's like eating a sponge, and it just absorbs all oil and stuff. And do they taste nicer than the normal mushrooms? Because mushrooms aren't no. exactly flavorful in most circumstances. I mean, I, I'm having a real mushroom time in my life at the moment. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm really enjoying mushrooms, like because I'm not eating meat at home. Like, right. That's one of my like meat replacements. And yeah, like oyster mushrooms and some some big fat ones you can get at the supermarket. They do taste better, I think, the ones that are grown for consumption as opposed to being like found in the woods. But we did find a couple of uh, Steinpilz, mm -hmm. and they were they were excellent. They were very very good. Um, but yeah, we only found a couple of those. Is this something you're going to do more often? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, we live like 200 meters from woods here. I mm -hmm. like the idea of going and like seeing if I can find something for dinner. 
Uh, that's that's very appealing to me, <laughs> especially in this cost of living crisis. <laughs> Next time you come over, it's mushrooms and now else. I just got this image of you going out with a basket to collect some berries and and some herbs and some mushrooms. Yeah. I'm t- I'm totally down for it. <laughs> so what we've established is after 20 years cumulatively, we can't buy pillows. I, I can't find any snack foods, and you've become some kind of uh, hunter gatherer. Yeah. I can't believe, is that progress or is that regression? I can't work it out. I'm just embracing suburban living, mate. <laughs> Don't be jelly. <laughs> <laughs> Following up on one of our most covered topics since we've been doing this podcast is the Jungwort uh, des Jahres, uh, the youth word of the year. Uh, and we have, after all the votes being counted, everything tallied and tabulated, we have our winner for this year. And it is, we gave a clue to it. Anyone guess? You got it? You got it? It is Smash. Uh, Smash is the winner of the German (laughs) youth word of the year. Such a strange choice. (laughs) So, I mean, the article we have from Nord Bayern, my local, they said, like, most years they have to, like, ask people, do you know what this word means, even young people, because the chosen ones are often a bit abstract or a bit obscure or a bit niche. And they've, they've said in the first paragraph that you don't have to ask this question because everyone knows smash. Uh, so this is a word that is uh, very much part of the tableau of German Sprache. But yeah, it is, it's an interesting choice because, yeah, smash for us informally is a sexual term or it's mm-hmm. become a sexual term. So it's mainly used as a verb in German, smashen. <laughs> and uh, it can mean mit etwas anfangen to start something with someone jemand um, abschleppen to pick someone up oder mit jemand sex haben to have sex with someone <laughs> the object of desire can also be a smash and you can have apparently a kleines smash like a little rivalry between two people apparently and German for having a smash zwischen <laughs> uns uh, got a little, a little rivalry he's a nemesis I take issue with this on multiple fronts but the front I take issue with is I wish Germans right you got a word for sex great fine got it totally fine don't make that word another word that's totally innocuous that is very easy for a non-native speaker to accidentally use in the wrong context. Schlanger is a good example, right? I hate using that <laughs> word because I never know whether I'm actually saying this is a cue or a penis, right? So I have a problem with that. And this one's like, oh, yeah, we've got this word smash. Uh, the verb is smashing. That's great. Fine. <laughs> but also, it means to have sex or like have a relationship or like start something with someone. It also means rival. I'm like, fucking just... <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing to me? Like, oh. Next question, though. Is the past tense gesmashed? Gesmashed? For having gesmashed. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Interesting. And I think posh British people can fall into another trap because you can just say in English, smashing, yeah. uh, as like an approval yes <laughs> to a suggestion. <laughs> oh, and now that, that might be misinterpreted by youthful Germans <laughs> uh, who feel like they're being offered sex at the end of, <laughs> of a sentence for some <laughs> obscure reason. You what, mate? Um, uh, yeah. The thing that I found weird is apparently it comes from Smash or Pass, which is a game yeah. that was like early 2000s. Yeah. Or like It does feel like they've chosen a word as the young person's word of the year that is so out of date in English that it's it's a bizarre choice in that context, I think. I didn't quite understand 
why that is the uh, the option. But there you go. Um, who am I to deny young people their choice of words? But it got it got a massive amount of votes. Was it like forty three percent of people yeah. had voted for it? So it's definitely a popular word. But yeah, coming back to the idea of like being misunderstood, because for me, if Nick does something really well, like at the end of the record, I might say, "Yeah, you smashed that, Nick." And to translate that into German, you smashed, be like, "Yeah, you fucked it, Nick." <laughs> <laughs> oh, you did but, it good. But, but that's but that's a completely like if I fucked it, that's a, a real negative. Oh, Nick, you really yeah. fucked that. Oh, you fucked no. it good. But even that can be negative or positive. Depends on intonation. It's so complex. <laughs> oh man, can we do? Like, it's so hard. It's so hard learning this bloody language, and it's like them putting more traps in the middle just to to see what happens. But yeah, as I said, this got forty three percent of the votes from the public. But there was uh, some other interesting words as well. Bordenlos, I'd like was uh, yeah. was another word that was mentioned, which is something that's unbelievably bad, lousy, perhaps. And then we had thirty three percent. Of people went for macher or like to do or maker or something like that, I guess. Uh, who, someone who implements things without hesitation uh, or who tackles something. Yeah, when we talked about that, I was Simon Macher Maddox uh, as the intro of that episode, I recall. So yeah, we, we liked macher because it's just like, it's, yes, it's a doer, it's a proactive thing. Whereas Smash, I have a horrible feeling at some point I'm going to use it without realising it's going to be a problematic look in, like, in the Kita or something. Doesn't Smashed mean drunk as well? Like, I'm For totally smashed. Does, yeah. yeah. So, like, basically just it's a word we can't use anymore in, in ah. Germany. The, the irony is they're increasing their vocabulary by reducing our vocabulary. <laughs> How horrendous is that? Yeah, I mean, I, I try, I've been trying something with my wife and she, t- she understands it and it works. But like I have the instinct of like, do you want to kill that? Like to use the end of something, mm-hmm. or like to finish the, the, an episode? Mm. And yeah, some of us Turton is like, what I want to say. My wife's just like, it doesn't make any sense. You can't do that. <laughs> She's like, oh, but I want to say, kill it. Um, do you reckon we can get a word on the the young people's word of the year? Do you reckon like there must be a selection of words that are common parlance in the UK? That the we- only chance we have is hitting people like thirty to fifty years old. That is our demographic. We have no <laughs> young people listening to us. There is I no one know. under eighteen listening to this. Must, if you the- are under eighteen. Send Nick an email telling him he smashed it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell me I had sex with it. Um, Yeah, I'm just thinking like there must be some proper solid bits of language that we can use. I was listening to somebody talking about the the Duden. I think they were uh, um, the editor of the Duden. The, uh, the German dictionary and they were saying like oh yeah we have like 5,000 new words or something per year entering the, the Duden and I was like how many of them are just like English words how many of them <laughs> like today I had I was lecturing and I was talking about how to make toast and we spent like a solid 20 minutes <laughs> trying to pass the concept of toast and I went Do you, everyone knows what toast is right and they all said oh it's the bread that we have and I was like yeah but you know what it means in english and they were like yeah it's bread and i'm like no toast is cooked bread and they were like yeah bread and i'm like no it's cooked bread and we went around in this circle for a while and i said look what do you call the thing you put bread in to cook it and they went toaster and i was like why is it called a toaster and it's like because it toasts the bread and i'm like so what is this what is this and i showed them a picture of like cooked bread and they went it's toast broad and i was just like i'm just like i felt <laughs> like i was having toast my, broad. <laughs> my brain pulled apart so i guess we get to look forward to the next so jungenwert des yaris which i'm assuming will be something i don't know what's what's our options here what can we throw out there simon 
to, to offer these people? Um, good youth word for next year. I'm going to try and get Kani in there. Kani, I'll read. Well, I mean, that's that's the deepest well that we have available to us. It's Geordie <laughs> shit. Yeah, let's um, get some Geordie words in there. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to start. If we can get people to say Shakademus and Pliers, that would be great, <laughs> that'd be great as well. Shabba. Like, we'll try that as much as possible. Let's read the Gashabad, no? Gashabad. See, it already feels like it's at least got some Bavarian context to it. So, yeah. There must be a way of doing this. Yeah, let's see how, how far we can get, get our influence into the German language. <laughs> so, recording on Tuesday night, we have an update today on a topic we plan to speak about. So, our preparation has been thrown off a little bit. Um, because we had planned to talk about uh, the situation uh, with Adidas and their separation from Kanye West. Uh, because yesterday, Monday, at the start of the week, uh, there were multiple calls from multiple areas uh, of the general public and organisations asking for Adidas to to split uh, with Kanye, uh, including the Central Rat de Juden, like one of the main Jewish uh, organizations here in Germany, the Central Council uh, of Jews in Germany. Um, they were demanding that Adidas immediately terminate its business relationship with Kanye West uh, because of his repeated uh, anti-Semitic statements. And today we got the news that that has finally uh, been enacted. Uh, and I'm very careful to use the word finally uh, because this should have happened uh, a lot quicker uh, for Adidas um, because multiple organisations and companies have already done so. His talent agency managed to do so before Adidas uh, as well as other companies like Balenciaga, the 750 euro shoemaker. So yeah, it's kind of felt like a, a real missed opportunity for a company that's works very hard to be inclusive, to be open-minded, to not really practice what they preach. Because, yeah, these anti-Semitic statements were made a while ago now uh, in the grand scheme of things. We have, well, it's the second prime minister uh, <laughs> since those comments were made. Uh, so this really should have been acted on a bit sooner than it has. Um, but, yeah. The, the right decision has finally been made. There was this thread that I read on Twitter from a, a young German-Jewish guy just saying like how disappointed he was with Adidas and how it is that when a sports star takes drugs, they sort of act so quickly to protect the brand and mm -hmm. they drop those sports stars like really, really fast. I mean, seven hours ago, there was a, there was, we were talking about a thorough review of mm -hmm. the star's anti-Semitic statements and it was like what are you reviewing man like i think it was the 15th of october he was gloating and saying i can say anti-semitic anti shit and uh adidas won't drop me yeah and i was like come on and like the weekend there was white supremacist groups in the u.s holding banners over um highways saying um that they supported his statements and i was just like come on like it seems like they, they moved as slowly as humanly possible on that front and it just feels like you could have come out much quicker to say something, to do something about it. Yeah, it really feels like the financial element of this decision was put in the forefront of the decision-making from the board. Um, because, yeah, this is it's a very expensive decision. Um, it's going to cost Adidas around €250 million Euros 
uh, is an estimate that Spiegel have put together so far. And yeah, obviously that's that's a big kick uh, for a company, even one the size of Adidas. Uh, and the company's latest performance figures have been not so fantastic, so that their share price has has dropped quite dramatically since the start of August. So yeah, I, I kind of feel like the company was trying to make a business decision about this as opposed to a moral one. And I say this is a company that's invested a lot of time and a lot of money uh, communicating very positive moral positions and then at a point where they really could have nailed that to the proverbial door of the church they completely missed that opportunity i don't want to get into the whys and wherefores of Kanye west and how it is we got to a point where he's now spouting anti-semitic shit on across the internet and across the airways because i don't know enough about this story or about him i don't really care about Kanye west he's not like high on my list of things to, to think about but i think this idea of when someone is clearly making hateful and and frankly dangerous statements large companies should be able to move faster i can't believe it's like that difficult like say the thing and then work out how you do it. It seems a more reasonable position than maybe work out the financial implications and then make a statement. Uh, it feels a little bit sort of backward in that sense. This is it. It isn't really about Kanye West saying these things. It's about legitimizing this kind of discussion, like allowing people who are who haven't felt like they're able to say these things in public now as you say, that the, the banners on the highway in California, people are going to be targeting Jews on Twitter. Uh, there's going to be more hate uh, floating around because of this. I mean, yeah, we know that Kanye West is not, he's not well. Like his, his mental illness has been very, very transparent for a long time now. And yeah, it's really sad to see someone going through what he's going through. But the, the unfortunate fact remains that his twitter following is in the millions and there's a fuckload of stupid people that are going to feel like this is like legitimate language and that's really really terrifying it's depressing to have public figures who feel so empowered that they can just say what they want you know and say stuff that's obnoxious racist anti-semitic ignorant and it's the fact that even at the beginning of October, like Adidas was talking about, oh, well, we need to clarify the situation. We've decided to put the partnership to the test, I think is what they said at the beginning of October. And it was like a real reluctance to drop them, which I understand to a certain extent. They've got a lot of products with, with Kanye West, but like, or Ye or whatever we're calling them now. But it just seems like, frankly, unacceptable, like that you can get to a level of celebrity and just mouth off and people are like oh yeah and there's a lot of equally ignorant people as you said who will act on what they say or uh, retweet it or promote it in some way it doesn't seem like there's been very many people actually challenging them i mean his his ex-wife did if that helps kim kardashian i mean yeah obviously he's been accused of harassing her this year in the wake of their divorce and she tweeted out, hate speech is never okay or excusable. I stand together with the Jewish community and call on the terrible violence and hateful rhetoric towards them to come to an immediate end. So yeah, his ex-wife is able to put out a relatively measured and supportive stance for shutting down this kind of rhetoric. 
But yeah, I say it should be the whole of online platforms should be rounding on him and chastising him. It won't affect him. Like he's been called out for saying wild shit before. Like for example, he said that slaves were willing to be slaves. Like it was a choice and he was rounded on by the entire black community, but it hasn't slowed him down. Yeah, he's not well. You get a situation where you're in the spotlight and where people listen to you and you suddenly believe that everything you've got to say is somehow pertinent to every given situation and not as many public figures go as far as Kanye West has gone. But it does feel like you give these people a, a massive platform, these massive brands, like you mentioned, uh, among um, aside from Adidas, Balenciaga, Gap, JP Morgan yeah. apparently has <laughs> some kind of deal with them. Gagne, and yeah. you know, what the fuck is the deal that JP Morgan <laughs> has with them? Like, like these are really powerful, like a collections of these powerful companies backing these people, and sort of you're the face of our brand, or you design and products, and they give these people like a, a, a foot up, and they're so fast to latch onto these celebrities, and so slow to sort of move when it when it looks like it. It's going a bit south for them. It's just really disappointing and really depressing all at the same time. And for people in Jewish communities in, in Germany or in the US or anywhere around the world, the growth of sort of anti-Semitism and, and the, the, the fact that anti-Semitism still exists is such an insane concept to me. Mm-hmm. Because like, as you study history and it's like, and it's been around forever. It's like the forever uh, prejudice, you know? And uh, it certainly got more despicable and, and an intellectual tint was sort of put upon it towards the end of the 19th, beginning of the 20th century. It's when you've got people who are quoting things that have been so obviously debunked. And it's just so depressing to see the, the limits of people's intelligence mm. and, and to see the limits of people's intelligence when they have such a platform as, as Kanye West has had. It just, uh, it's just really fucking disappointing. So... Um, fuck him basically yeah yeah. that's about right and i say with with the historical context in mind just for a minute like of course adidas is a german company Mm. and you would imagine that any german company when the slightest whiff of being in a potential position to be accused of being anti-semitic would be an immediate like defcon 5 alert like we have to do something about this because there are still plenty of people around the world who readily connect modern Germany to the Nazis and anti-Semitism. So yeah, you think it'll be like, okay, yeah, this cannot stand. This accusation has to be disproven post-haste. And to use a sports analogy, they dropped the ball. There we go. Expect better from Adidas. Yeah. For sure. They have finally made the right decision, so hopefully there'll be some strong statements coming out of it now this decision has been made. But so far... Uh, they haven't agreed on on Tuesday uh, to do any discussions with Spiegel or any other major publications. I don't think this is an opportunity for them to post some stale statement on social media or Instagram, sort of thoughts and prayers bullshit. Like, make a fucking statement, donate some money, like, do something proactive. Mm. Like, you've let this fester for far longer than it really should have done. We were aware of what was happening at the beginning of the month, if not before, and just sitting on it and hoping for the best. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe this will go away. And it's not gone away, unsurprisingly, when you have one of your uh, collaborators and, and designers of products and you've got his name is all over products as well. We've got friends who wear his, his clobber, you know, you like you see it in the shops. It's like a very popular brand. 
And it's hard not to go, well, you've only done that because you don't want to go through the the headache of removing that brand. Like, how quickly could they move? Like, at least, like, start removing their products, stop selling their his products, stop promoting them. I just don't understand how a company that, that large cannot see the issue in front of them. And it just reflects so poorly on Adidas. And it just begins this whole thing again of, like, it's a German company, they should know better. Mm. And it's so unnecessary. Like, they should know better. They should be aware of the situation and what it means. And even if it's a case where they were, they had to work out the legal implications, there's a moral implication as well. Mm. Like, bottom line isn't the most important thing. But here we are. Um, they've managed to do it in the worst way possible, allowing <laughs> him to still have a platform, still selling his products for a month, and then going, oops, sorry, we'll stop doing that now. Yeah, real disappointment. No. This painting is not going to be worth anything if we have to fight over food. This was a statement made by two activists who were protesting climate change, uh, two German protesters who uh, were arrested for throwing mashed potato at a Monet painting that had been sold for $110 million uh, a few years ago. The painting, of course, was unharmed, uh, the museum said. But uh, yeah, this is another example of young activists sort of guerrilla activists attacking art. Two weeks ago, there was the story of, of young activists throwing tomato soup at mm -hmm. uh, Van Gogh's um, sunflowers, sunflowers mm -hmm. and then gluing themselves to the wall. And this is a more recent story of, of potato-based <laughs> protests. Of course, police arrested the pair, and they are um, obviously going to be charged with, I don't know, uh, breach of the peace, um, abuse of a potato, who knows? Property damage they're also being charged with, even though the painting... I would assume so, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, so apparently the frame is going to need some care. So yeah, property damage is definitely going to be the, the most serious yeah. charge they're going to face. Yeah, property damage and trespassing. And this was mm. at the uh, Barberini Museum in Potsdam in the state of Brandenburg, in the capital, in fact, of Brandenburg. And uh, yeah, I mean... This is something that we've seen a lot of. There's been these kinds of protests through the summer. There was even, I think, was it yesterday? or the, I think it was yesterday. There was Greenpeace protesters took over the foyer in Westminster in the middle On of... Monday. Um, was it yeah. Monday? Um, in the middle of like sort of the fervent and excitement around the election of the new prime minister um the uh, security manhandled various journalists out of the uh, foyer mm. prevented them from recording live on air for a lot of them so there's a lot of this uh guerrilla activism i don't know how you feel about it simon what do you think do you think this is a worthwhile way to protest or i mean yeah the, the amount of media coverage it's getting is showing that it, it is a strategy that's, that's effective in drawing attention to their cause so yeah I think as long as the art isn't being destroyed or or badly damaged, I think this it's okay with me. My central issue with this whole thing is that these people used uh, mashed potato, I mean, in, in German, Kartoffelbrei. And if you watch the footage of this happening, my big problem is that this is nowhere near Kartoffelbrei. It's like a potato soup. It is too liquidy, it's too wet, and it shouldn't be called mashed potato. 
and I think that is a huge misrepresentation of the situation. And I think it also highlights a huge problem we have in Germany where Kartoffelbrei is shit. It is <laughs> it's like baby food, it is over pureed, it's like it's designed for people with like no teeth who like can eat with a straw and I, I, it has we haven't addressed this before on the podcast and I think it's vital that we do mashed potatoes should be firm on the fork you should be able to turn it upside down and they don't drop they should be like a little bit klebrig they should stick to things and the splash off this painting is just indicative of a really poorly made mashed potato but I feel the point wouldn't have worked so well if you had the consistency of mashed potato that you'd expect in Britain oh but it would it would be better you, you it would smash on you get some splatter and then it would slowly drop down maybe even rolling in a sort of dramatic like Indiana Jones being chased by a massive boulder of, of <laughs> potato I think it would be visually much more interesting how much potato would you need for an Indiana Jones boulder style effect <laughs> I think we're talking tons at this point <laughs> um, I hadn't really thought about it I was really just thinking about the activist side of this discussion <laughs> but you've you've really brought up a good point bry is a very funny word and my first sort of experience of the word bry was was with my uh, when my daughter was born and, and bry is essentially baby food yeah. like you get various different kinds of bry for babies and it was all pretty awful bry seems to be a sort of movable feast i think it's the same word that we use for porridge as well it's just puree i think bry so like you yeah. can puree anything if I you think chuck it in a blender it's a bry yeah we had carrot and bry and we mm -hmm. had um, half a flock and bry and we had um sort of a lot, a lot of different mixed cereal type brys and they were all terrible because as a parent the responsible thing to do when you buy something like that is to eat a bowl of it yourself to find out what baby food tastes like. <laughs> Which, I tried a lot of baby food in the first years. It was also during lockdown and I was very, very bored. So um, what I discovered is, yeah, bry is a pretty sloppy affair, which was disappointing because whenever there would, there would be half a flock in bry, it was exactly as you described. It was more of a soup than an actual, mm -hmm. like, like porridge should be designed to stick to your ribs, as my granddad would say. And I think I have a similar annoyance with that when it comes to sort of breakfast food. My wife, for her sins at least, has uh, come to uh, agree that the correct way to make kartoffel brai is the British way. Uh, but when you, I never order it in restaurants for that very reason because nah. it is just a sloppy mess that that you really don't want to engage with. I mean, we've we've heralded rightly so the excellence of Schäufele, uh of the Franconian pork delight that is Schäufele or mm. Haxa, both amazing chunks of pork mm -hmm. but they're they're always served well often served on a little little mound of kartoffelbrei mm -hmm. and then like that is then surrounded by a, a sea of very thin gravy and <laughs> the face is so pained oh dear me <laughs> i love the food but if we replaced both of those with the English equivalent, like a thicker gravy and a, a more sturdy mashed potato, it would just be better. And yeah, I, I feel very strongly about this. This might may be clear. So essentially your argument is you've got this quite sloppy consistency that the Germans would call kartoffel bry. And the protest would have been far more effective if we'd used a thicker, more... Uh, like a snowball almost Ooh, yeah. of, of, of potato. There we go. Um, I thought we were talking, yeah. 
I have a feeling though, Simon, that the um, the protest got as much <laughs> attention as it was ever going to get. I noticed we are the only people arguing over the consistency of mashed potato here. Well, in fairness, it probably got my attention more because of how bad that was. <laughs> like I was more invested in this one than the, the tomato soup. It got me in my heart and in my soul. And how do you feel about the protest, though? I mean, I, I'm, I think it's quite good. I don't have a, an issue with them. I think it draws attention in a particular way. I think they're very careful to choose paintings and to throw things at paintings that, uh, that aren't going to be permanently damaged, but will get a lot of attention. Well, yeah, when interviewed, they, they talked about how Monet was like, he was fascinated by nature and like they showed that they didn't just like wantonly pick, oh, that will do there is rhyme and reason behind these choices and i think that is very very important for me the only negative that i can possibly see is that obviously a lot of these these like master pieces mm. don't belong to the museums they'll be rented from private collections mm. so we might see that private owners will be less willing to rent out uh, or to loan masterpieces because they're worried about them being damaged that is literally the only negative i actually see about this apart from that it draws a lot of attention and it evokes the right reaction in the right kind of people mm. because most people who are like really upset about these being damaged are old people that need to like have their reality challenged a bit more in mm -hmm. terms of the seriousness of the situation and yeah i mean all credit to them I also think it shows a very interesting thing about high visibility jackets because they've just walked into these places and with a high-vis jacket, you become invisible yeah. in that kind of environment. You can just walk up to a Monet, yeah. throw stuff on it, and then everyone's like, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> you're not security. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you turn up with a clipboard and a pen, yeah. you're getting pretty much anywhere. Um, I, I would say the only thing that I do find quite annoying, and it's, there's been a few of these recently where people are dumping milk out in supermarkets which i feel yeah. is a, a very tone deaf protest in it and certainly in britain where there's a very i don't know even here with a cost of living crisis that's occurring it does feel a little bit like i'm not sure if that is the the way to do it but at the same time i support people protesting and their right to protest so i'm loath to criticize people even if i don't necessarily agree with what they're protesting i think we all do have a right to do it if you're willing to go that far and you're willing to take the consequences and none of these people seem to be bitching and moaning about what happens to them. But I mean, of course, the, the consequences is an interesting point because those consequences are going to be changing, especially in the United Kingdom in the coming months, weeks and years. And there is some pretty terrifying legislation being proposed. Uh, and one of the factors therein is that someone who is convicted of uh, protesting illegally in the eyes of this legislation and the government can be forced to wear an ankle monitor uh, in certain situations. Like if an event is happening that they might want to protest at, the government can tag them and put them under house arrest. It's absolutely terrifying. It also kind of feels like this is one of the last opportunities they have to protest like this mm. uh, because in six months in two years they're going to be unable to protest again once yeah. they've been arrested for a single protest and it's like we all have one protest in us and thereafter we're on house arrest it's well british people it's totally screwed yeah i mean it's shocking the amount of rights that have been 
not even quietly taken away, just taken away wholesale without mm. very much kickback from from anyone really. And it doesn't surprise me that these are laws that are kicking into gear following uh, the protests after Black Lives Matter. I feel like that spurred on a lot of um, authoritarianism. Exactly, yeah. And I feel like it it didn't happen after the protests over tuition fees for instance that no. were predominantly middle class white kids protesting i think there is a definite element there where there's a certain people are allowed to protest and certain other people aren't when uh right-wing edl were marching through the streets of the uk there wasn't any of these laws in place and people were talking about oh the rights of and freedoms for people to protest mm. um so I, I feel like there's in britain it's it's taken a real authoritarian slant to it i didn't like it when the queer duncan were protesting but i respected the right to protest in that context if you feel strongly about it and you organize and you're not going to turn it into a bloody riot and, and start causing damage to people's property and like the peaceful protest is a real powerful tool in the right hands and so yeah it, it might lead to to some negative impacts but i do believe that certainly those who are protesting um, just stop oil or those who are protesting for um, faster action on climate change i think yeah we're getting to a point now where what else do you do when the governments aren't listening to you when they aren't taking action fast enough Young people protesting is ultimately always going to be a positive in my mind. Yeah, yeah. The new right cycle, <laughs> the new cycle needs to be grabbed by the nuts, and this is just a bit the only way to do it. It seems at the moment. Yeah, it's a very earnest episode that we've recorded this week. <laughs> do you want us to do some like rude words at the end? Bums. <laughs> I did say penis at least once, and when I said it, I felt incredibly uncomfortable. So. <laughs> Yeah, he said trans, yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't like Talking it. About penises like it. again. It's the second time you talked about that on the show as well. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Got penis on the mind, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you say that. <laughs> Is this the bonus app? <laughs> <laughs> That brings us to the end of the show. We're off to, I don't know, smash some stuff up. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes? It only takes a minute and really helps us. We are also hungry for Spotify stars. So feed us some of them delicious things. Nom, 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 nom. Retweet us, share a link or post with the hashtag decades from home or lowercase on Twitter or Instagram. And you can also support the podcast by going to ko-fi forward slash decades from home and contributing to help us keep our well-established campaign for thick, chunky, ooh, beautiful mashed potato going. Hear how excited he is, listener, for that mashed potato. 33 listeners so far have given us a five-star review on uh, Spotify. Uh, we also have set something up on Podchasers. Um, we're across iTunes, podcast app, uh, Google Podcasts. So if you want to write a review, do so on Podchasers. That would really help us. We're climbing the ladder of the Google search engine algorithm. Uh, our aim is to be the top dog podcast about Germany by two um, rather, um, I don't know, idiotic British people. Um, <laughs> so help us in our endeavours, please. As ever, you have any questions, feedback, like our friend Jeff, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Simon on at Decades From Home, and you can tweet me at 40% German. You can get us on decadesfromhome at gmail.com as well. If you have time, take a look at 40%german.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All the so I have to say is thanks and bis am next time. Cheers. Ciao.